Hey, this is Jeremy Roenick, and guess what? You guys are listening to The Jim Bob Show. People in Chicago were mad at me for leaving and going to the Packers, and people in Wisconsin were wondering, what the hell do they do hiring the broadcasters? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Having the Bears broadcasters do the Packers. Hey, this is Wayne Larrabee, and you're listening to Roar on WGN. It is the one and only Ron Jaworski. Jim Bob, it's Ron Jaworski. I, I know. I'm in, I'm in awe. I know. But oh, awesome. come on. You guys are awesome, man. Keep up the great work. Hey, this is Brian Urlacher, and you're listening to The Jim Bob Show. That's awesome. Oh, that's then, it. How about one? This is Brian Urlacher. I'm not a bitch. <laughs> no. <laughs> that's about that one, huh? The thing I'm most proud of, obviously, is playing for the same team my whole career. That was amazing. It's hard to do these days. And when I said something, I didn't I didn't go back on my word. Seven twenty WGN high atop Chicago in the Skyline Studio, the Jim Bob Show on the Roar Podcast Series here on WGN. And on the line, one of the greatest Bears of all time, nine-time Pro Bowl linebacker and NFL Hall of Famer, Jim Bob, a very special guest on the show He's a super special guest for me. I got, hey, I'm a fan, and here's the deal. The guy's got more Hall of Fame, another (laughs) Hall of Fame. I mean, how many Hall of Fames does a guy need, Dane, honestly? So here we are, ladies and gentlemen, your very own Brian Urlacher. Brian, man, we are so pumped to have you on the show, buddy. Yeah, I'm excited to be on the guys. Yeah, I, uh, you know, the, the coolest one's obviously the professional football hall of fame. I'm also excited about my high school hall of fame. That was pretty cool too. Do you ever turn down Hall of Fame? No, like, no, yeah, yeah. Is there any Hall? Hey, what about the pickleball Hall of Fame? Are you going to be? Are you going to be in the pickleball Hall of Fame next year? If, if I start playing, I'll be in the Hall of Fame. Hey, uh, I, I think I could be good at pickleball. I'm sure we've got just you know hundreds of thousands of fans out there that that know everything about you. But you know, I was curious. I was thinking about all the things I wanted to ask you, and and I followed you from. You know, we talked a little bit about. You know, Dick Geron was was my position yeah. coach. He was your coach, and I know he thought the world of you and and i think about when you were in high school you're, you're a skinny kid in high school and you you, you end up going to new mexico and i, I want to kind of go back to your beginnings because i think there's some cool stories about you you were a, a good athlete in high school you guys went you know undefeated won a state championship but you were a skinny dude and then you got kind of pumping waist tell us about it yeah man i just couldn't gain weight when i was younger you know i was uh, i grew a lot in high school but i think i was five ten or five eleven as a sophomore i graduated at six four so I graduated six four, one ninety, one ninety five, super skinny. You know, for for what I am now, I was skinny. Yeah. Um, but I grew like five or six inches in high school. Didn't gain a lot of weight, but I I got faster. The more weight I I did gain, I got faster. And I got to college, and I just you know I never really trained for football yeah. in high school because I went from football to basketball to track. So I did everything. And then in, when I got to college, I was like, all right, you're playing football, so you're going to train for football. You're going to take all the supplements we give you. You're going to work out. And shit, I gained. 35 pounds my freshman year of yeah. muscle. Well, you know, that's that freshman amazing. 35 they talk about. You see, it's all the beer drinking. You're like, a, you're like a, you know, the girls talking about, oh, man, I got that freshman 15. I mean, Erlacher gets the freshman 35. <laughs> and, and, and it's welcome. Yeah. Now, you, you talk about the diversity of the sports, and do you feel that that made you a better football player, right, being able to do the track? Obviously, yeah. some speed is there, but basketball, just from a reflex standpoint. So, no doubt it helped me with football. You know, just, I think being more athletic it helped, it helped me with that, but 
I liked basketball more than I did football anyway back then. Yeah. So I, I loved, I loved, I thought, I thought I was a better hooper than football player. But, but no, I mean, I got to tell you, you know, I, I followed you when they drafted you, and, and everybody goes, well, you're a Packer. I mean, you're a Packer. Why do you, I go, listen, Brian Urlacher's going to be great. I'm going to tell you, he's going to be great. Ends up being great, great. Again, he's a Hall of Famer in almost every category. I mean, but, you know, being a basketball player, and I tell these young kids that, you know, I see today, they go, oh, I'm just going to go focus on baseball I go I think yeah. you got to play basketball too I mean I, was, I think that if I'm a coach I look at a kid and I go well you know I want to see as much athleticism as I can and I don't I just personally don't think it hurts you you know when you're at the high school level to give up a sport and just go focus on one sport I'm against it personally I don't know how you are as a parent I couldn't agree with you more I, I mean if they want to do more obviously you know my son plays football he played basketball for a while. He's not sure he'll make the team, so he's not sure he wants to try out for basketball. But he did track last year. I just think the more you can do, the better. It just keeps you active, I think, number one. But now, so football is not as specified as other sports because you don't travel for travel football. You travel basketball, travel baseball. You're going every damn weekend. Football, you don't do that because you don't play tackle all the time. It's mm-hmm. different. So you can just do your lifting and seven on seven, which I get. But it's so much different when it comes to, to specifying in football. You know, when when you played, you know, you had a, a great career, illustrious career. Is that I, I was looking up like injury history. You you dislocate your wrist, and I'm like going, yeah. "What does that look like?" I mean, is that when you look down there? Was that one of those deals where you go, "Oh, that's gross"? <laughs> you know what? It didn't. It's so weird because I didn't. When, when the trainer told me it was dislocated, I go. It doesn't look dislocated because I dislocated my left wrist in high school. It looked dislocated. It freaked me out. But my right one was just, there's a bone in there in the middle of your wrist that was dislocated. It, basically, I tore the ligament to my wrist is what happened. Yeah. And the, the lunate bone dislocated. And the, it's the worst injury I had, honestly. It sucked. It still hurts today. But, uh, like I said, that's the worst thing that happened to me playing football. I did a pretty good job. Before all, all the Hall of Fames and the dislocations and all that kind of stuff. And you, <laughs> you look at your son in the, you know, whether it's the scholarships or some of those things. And, and for you, obviously, having a physical embodiment of family success in front of you, he can he can imagine himself as maybe, you know, having a career in college and an NFL career or something, right? You can at least imagine it. For you, you said basketball was your favorite sport. And at what point? So you grew a lot of changes with the body, right? You put on some weight. At what point... Yeah. Yeah. It seemed real to you, like, hey, you know what? This might be my job. Oh, man. Probably my second or third year. My freshman year, I didn't redshirt, but I played all special teams. My sophomore year, I did not start. I split time with another senior who was really good. And I led our team in tackles my sophomore year. So there were some scouts coming around then. But, man, my, probably my third year in college is when I was like, dang. So I was 6'4", 245, playing free safety. And then there were so many scouts around. And they started projecting you. I actually almost came out my junior year. I'm glad I didn't. Did, I think, out of the did you think that there was, I mean, you played free safety. I mean, your your defense in, in high school, you kind of were like the rover, which was just, you kind of like, yep, you were almost thing. like the LT of high school. Is that let Brian go wherever the hell Brian wants to go. That was your defense. It but, was in college. You know, in high school, I just played strictly free safety and receiver on offense. But in college, man, I just, I lined up 12 yards deep in the middle. And I ran to the football. It was amazing. You know, I never got blocked. I uh, yeah. And that's what was hard. But the, the adjustment to the NFL was hard because I 
I had to work on my hands and, and try not to get blocked as much. Well, you got but you I, moved I, up I, to the line about six yards yeah, too. I, I mean, when that game got my hand. I was talking. We actually had Jeff Christensen on. Uh, he's got a company called Throw okay. It Deep out of Chicago, and he teaches Mahomes and Baker Mayfield and and Trubinsky and all these guys, these major elite guys. And one of the things we were talking about was that transition from college to the pros. And I tell I told Jeff, I go, listen, I can't even articulate how fast the game goes. And I go, so let's bring Erlacher on here and have him. Hall of Famer, how fast was that game your first year, that rookie year? How, how fast does it go in regards to going from college and coming to the pros? I can't articulate it to people. Can you tell them? So it's mentally. You know, physically, you're there, we're all there for a reason. You know, we're all good athletes. We can all, we're all good at what we do physically. Mentally is how fast it happens. You know, you have to make decisions so quick pre-snap. And, you know, because the offense moves, they shift, especially now there's so much stuff going on. But the hard part for me initially was mentally, like the way the defense was adjusted, like you had to change defenses, you had to change your alignment. That was the hard part for me. Once I figured that out, I mean, physically I could compete. You know, I, I never felt like I was lagging behind physically. It was just learning the mental part of the game. I'm talking about like adjustments and figuring that stuff out is where I was lagging at the beginning. Once I, And then once I, you know, two or three games in, I figured that out too. But it's just, man, it happens so fast. If you don't know what you're doing and you start thinking out there you're done as football players we play best when we're not thinking when we're reacting we're playing our best yeah when you move from that position at and look at some of the film of you when you were new mexico lobos and and 12 yards deep and just running at angles to the ball to smack people is that i look at it i go Wow. I mean, you reminded me at when you were with the Lobos, Ronnie Lott comes to mind, man. This guy is smacking people and knocking people out. Is that, I mean, like, did you think you were Ronnie Lott? Yeah. Well, you got to think I was 50 pounds heavier than Ronnie Lott in high school, in college. Yeah, right. You know, I was flying out the same speed he brought down. You know, he was a badass back people around, but I, uh, I was 50 pounds heavier and going straight downhill every play. I just, yeah. It was like, it's the best position ever invented. Oh, my you. God. You're smothering people. And then, and then, yeah. so, like, so they, they get you and, and they draft you. You're the ninth guy taken that year. And then moving up that close to the line and playing that position, I mean, that had to be like all new to you. How, how did you adjust to that? Because that was a whole new position. You never played it before. Yeah. So they put me at Sam at first, which was not a good position for me. I was terrible at Sam. Talk about not being able to play in space. You know, Sam linebackers on the tight end pretty much every play. Yeah. You have no room to work with. You're supposed to use your hands. And I got beat out second week training camp. Roosevelt Colvin beat me out. Should have never been my job in the first place. And then week two, Barry Minter gets hurt. And they put me in at Mike. Uh, Greg Boss goes, go play Mike. I said, Coach, I never played Mike. He goes, just run to the football. We'll fix the mistakes later. And I never played <laughs> that that. That's amazing. That's actually crazy. Hey, I've never it played it. Nice. Go in there. We'll fix it later. Like in, like in the <laughs> yeah, NFL. In the NFL. <laughs> so, I mean, that is, they, they said they just treated him like LT. That's what they did with LT. They go, LT, just run to the ball. <laughs> you know, as a young kid, man, calling the defense, making the checks, it was stressful because I didn't know. What I was doing, um, yeah. you know, the, our defense was very patient. The guys on our defense were patient. Plus, I had Mike Brown behind me to help me out, which oh, was nice. Yeah. But we uh, we got it figured out pretty quick there, a couple of weeks. Let the listeners know we're talking about the one and only Brian Erlacher. And, and you mentioned this at that moment when you were and you guys talk about that transition, the speed of the game and all that, and even mentally, right? You could trust your physical talents, right? But the mental part of it, and you mentioned yeah. maybe a misfit on the positioning side early on. You were not Hall of Fame Brian Erlacher yet. Was there any points? Because there's a lot of you know players that are great players in college and never make it in the pros. Was there even a moment of self-doubt early on? No, no. I, I just knew 
if I learned what I was supposed to do and learned my techniques, I would be on the field playing. You know, there were some setbacks, I'll say that, but I never doubted my ability or, or anything like that. And our coaches are great. You know, they're, Coach Lindsay was our linebacker coach back then. He was very patient with me, but it did not help our team for me to be on the field as a linebacker. I should not have been out there. I was not good. So it was the right decision. I tell you what, I got a, I got a story about Lindsay. So we're playing in Milwaukee and Wade Wilson. Okay. Who was a pretty big quarterback. You know, he mm-hmm. gets loose and, and I'm playing strong safety and I'm going to go bust him up. Okay. Now I, I got about a 15 yard run at him and he tries to jump me. Okay. Now Wade Wilson, six, four, like two forty eight, tries to jump yeah. me, which, and I hit him and his knee hits me in the helmet and literally knocks me out. I'm coming off the sidelines and Lindsay is uh, our defensive. <laughs> linebacker coach at Green Bay and he, he goes what the hell are you doing I go I'm I'm messed up coach of course I use a, some foul language and he goes yeah. get your ass back in there everybody's hurt we got nobody to play the position get your ass back in there I walk back in there and Murphy's the free safety and he goes I go what are you running Murphy what are you running and he's clapping his hands he goes inverted inverted four what's that? <laughs> and Wilson proceeds to throw a football and it literally sticks in my face mask. <laughs> I tell everybody I run back 85 yards, but did you ever like get cold cocked in a game where oh, you, were, yeah. like, you couldn't remember? Like th- these people don't understand this concussion protocol. I was watching it the other day with, with Duo is that, Man, hey, that dude shouldn't have gone back into the game from my perspective because I can tell you I had a headache for two weeks. Tell us about some of yeah. your stuff. Yeah, you know, I did. In 2003, I had a concussion in the, we played Denver, and I hit Clinton Cordes, and I was asleep before I hit the ground. Wow. You, know, I'm like, you know how you see the bike, you get, and then you yeah. go limp and you fall over. Yeah. That was me. I missed two plays. I missed two plays and went back in. Yeah. So now, you know, you now you're you're missing weeks at a time if you get a concussion like that. They're, they're holding you out for, for games, and you, you see guys trying to hide it. You know, a guy comes out, he's wobbly. You want, oh, my shoulder hurts. Oh, yeah. my knee hurts. But you don't want to tell him because. Yeah. Your will, your will to be on the field is, is bigger yeah. than your. Well, yeah, everybody. You, know, you, don't yeah. about, you, don't, you don't care about injuries. You want to be on the field. Yeah, no, and it, it's not about you know. I mean, I, I wanted to be on the field every chance I got. It's like, oh, maybe, yeah. maybe I'm going to become a starter. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but anyhow. But hey, uh, so you really got out of out of playing for 13 seasons with you know you got bad wrist. Uh, are your knees okay? Your shoulders okay? Yeah, I'm so fortunate. Yeah, my wrist is the only thing that really bothers me. It's sore. It's stiff, but. So I can do everything I want to do. I play a lot of golf. I go fishing. Are you lifting? Are you are you working out? I mountain bike and I road bike. I yeah. don't lift anymore. I do push-ups and sit-ups after I ride my bike. I'll ride my bike 150 miles a week, mm-hmm. and then I'll do push-ups and sit-ups after I ride my bike, and that's it. No more weights. I just don't, I don't need to have the mass anymore. I saw where you were a bike rider, and you were trying to yeah. do, like, what, 6,000 miles uh, in a year. Was that I'm your, on pace. Yeah, yeah. I'm on pace. Right? It's just funny. Yesterday, I just closed out my miles. I'm at 500, I have to get 500 miles a month. I'm at 510, so I'm actually ahead of the game. So, so I have two more days I can ride this month and uh, get ahead. So, so big question is that, now these are regular bikes. These aren't like electrical bikes. No, I'm not a bitch. I ride the uh, actual, I'm riding a bike. I'm not on a Peloton recording my miles. I'm not, I'm, I'm on my bike riding. Hold on, hold on. I'm not saying E-bikes are good for people because at least they're doing something. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not saying all these things. Brian Urlacher, I had to clarify, I'm not a bitch. Yeah. No, something, here's the way I look at working out. Yeah, like, let's get that something, on tape, uh, everybody. I don't know if you heard no. it, but it was over bikes. As, as if there was any question. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's Brian Urlacher no. clarifying to the general public, guys, I'm not a bitch. 
no, no. I'm just saying people who, uh, the e-bikes are great for, for certain things. I just, it's not for me yet. You know, I got, I got a good I one. I got a good one for you. So, you know, Chelios is a buddy and he's a partner with Chelios. me. On, he's a, yeah. And he's a partner with me on El Bandito Yankee. And, you know, he has this charity auction that is, he has this electric bike, uh, the first year. And I go, you know, those are cool. I'll, I'll buy it. I'll get it at the auction. So I get it at the auction. And so I had this goal, like, like Brian has, I go, I don't know, I'm trying to ride 15 miles a day. And so my farm is exactly 18 miles outside of town. And so I get on this e-bike and go to ride out, out to my farm. I get about two miles and I realized the battery's not charged uh, properly. Oh, <laughs> so, you know how heavy those son of a bucks are. They're, they're like 50 pounds. <laughs> yeah. And so I all oh, can't be that bad. Well, so now I've got 16 miles in front of me. No, wrong, wrong. It was terrible. You don't even realize the undulation when you're driving out here. You think in Illinois, everything's flat as hell. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're surprised the little hill that's 200 yards up and trying to bring that e-bike <laughs> up. I go, there went my whole goal. After that, I go, screw this. I'm not doing this crap. <laughs> Charge that bike next time. You don't have to worry about it. <laughs> Sage advice been, from Brian. What, Brian Hurley. I've been on e-bike. They're incredible. My father-in-law has one. He's 65, and he rides like a machine. But yeah. he has an e-bike. Oh, I got on. It, it's amazing. Gosh, such a fun thing to do if you're, you know, when I get older, I may do that. But as of right now, I'm still going to stick to you. I, I got to tell you, I was at the Packers game, the last home game, yeah. and Jerry Kramer comes out to the field. And, oh, and, I love that dude. Yeah, and so Jerry's out there, and, and so I had not seen him in a while, but, you know, man, he was he was beat up. And, and I know yeah. that he started the Gridiron Great Assistance Fund, and, and I saw where you had started the Phoenix chapter, and, and I saw Jerry and it reminded me I made a note of I go hey I want to talk to Brian Erlacher about this I want to see what Brian's doing with that I know you did you started that Phoenix operation out there can you talk about it because I think it's it's one of the best stories it's unheralded I think and I think it would needs to be amplified Brian in regards to these guys yeah. that made the league back in the the 60s and 70s and how beat up they are please talk about it yeah so I, th- I think it's Jerry and coach Dick that started this thing the whole the national foundation for gridiron grades, but you just, you know, and what the sad thing is, I didn't even know about gridiron grades until I retired and they've been around for 10, 12 years. And I didn't probably three or four years after I retired, I found out about them. What they do is try and raise awareness and money for the guys who didn't make money. Like we did, like what, when I played or what they're making now, they have no insurance. They have no money. They can't pay their bills. They can't, it's just, it's trying to help give back to those guys who paved the way for the game we see today. For the game, the way that the players make the money, the endorsements, everything. These guys pave the way, and they basically get shit on. Yeah. They get nothing from the NFL. They get no, you know, health insurance is terrible enough as it is for the for the current players when they when they retire. For the, these guys have it worse. Well, so yeah. anything that, that they can that ground grades can raise for these guys, where it's housing, pay for their insurance, anything to help them get by is what Coach Dick and the Grand Grades are trying to do. I would tell you, I think it's a great movement. And I don't know that everybody realizes this because of, of social media. Everything gets amplified that, man, I'm a baller. I'm living this life and all this stuff. Yeah. But people don't realize 78% of NFL players, when they retire, within two years, they're either bankrupt or they've got severe financial difficulties. And that's even modern day. But you think about it. Think about all those guys that played in the 60s, 70s, and even the guys yep. – I played with in the 80s these guys didn't make enough money to retire on i mean you know joe montana no. did but you know but or, joe montana or, or pay your health insurance for that matter right now because now now is when you need your health insurance the most and they can't afford it yeah because it's so damn expensive and you would think the nfl would help them or make a fund for them or do something to, to help 
help them pay those bills. It just it just doesn't happen. So I think that's the main reason Coach Dickett did it was mainly for the uh, the health benefits or try and get them some health benefits because they're not it's not good for them. And it, the older you get, the worse your your knees go, your hips go, especially for those guys because they didn't. It wasn't the football you see now back in the day, as you know. Well, Brian, you, you think about this, just the, the financial assistance is important and much needed, and I'm sure super appreciated. But even just like doing this and even what you're doing and Coach Dicka, Jerry Kramer, raising awareness for it, I don't want to say yeah. shame the NFL into doing it, but let it out there because the general public, they hear this stuff, they're like, we got to do something. Well, I got to tell you, I th- I think shaming the NFL is exactly what needs to be done. I'm personally in the fact that, listen, I mean, there's not enough money going towards these guys that, that basically left you know limbs out Paved there the way hey you know we got to start right now and i think what brian's doing coach Duke are doing we've got to amplify this up i think we've got to have the nfl make a big donation to fund this that, well and i think that's wrong man that's so they've known this for a long time and they've known the situation these guys are in but I, I guess maybe they don't make enough money i'm not sure you know i guess six seven billion dollars a year yeah. isn't enough there's not enough piece of the pie to go around to the guys who actually Lay the foundation for what football is today. You know, and it's crazy is that one of the stories, and our listeners don't know this, but, you know, I got involved in the deal two years ago to buy 40% of the, at the time, it was the Washington Redskins. And I'm Native American, and I work a lot with, you know, different tribes and so forth. So I call my buddy, uh, Chuck Garnett, and he works for one of the Indian nations. I go, now I can say this, not everybody can say this on there, but I go, hey, Chuck, (laughs) what do you think about Redskins? buying redskins and there's a pregnant pause now chuck's really smart you know native american harvard grad so he's way smarter than me and there's a big pregnant big pregnant pause and he goes I like it. And we, and so we raised $1.3 billion a consortium to go buy the minority piece of the Redskins. And this is a, I could do a whole show on this, but one of the things that I found out when I were doing the discovery was how bad some of the former Redskins had, had been treated. And, mm-hmm. and, and I think each team should have some responsibility. You talk about like, I, I saw your deal with, with Pat McAfee and so forth. And Pat talks about, yeah. Hey, Jerry Jones makes $77 million a home game. Okay. And I'm like going, yeah. and you can't afford to put some money towards the gridiron greats. I mean, all of the former yeah, well, Cowboys. Jerry Jones is a different guy. Jerry Jones may do something. Yeah, exactly. He's, He's guy. the guy that I think. A, don't put him in the category as the other owners. That no, the reason I bring him up, I think Jerry Jones is a guy who can pave the way and, and really amplify this for this cause and, and I, we, I think about him and specifically inspire others right inspire to do others yeah. yeah he could be the guy we use to shame the rest of the owners in look what I'm doing <laughs> you know <laughs> so I, I grew up a Cowboys fan so I'm a big fan of Jerry Jones yeah and him and Steven they've done a, oh my god a magnificent job there I was curious so we we had um, Wayne Larrabee on, on the show here recently and, and Wayne was uh, talking about you know he's the voice of the Packers voice of the Bears voice of the Bulls he was like voice of everybody and I go Did, was there anybody that you ever met where you kind of got starstruck and 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 we got to talking about it he talks about well the first time I got into an elevator I was at the Bulls and who walks in but first time I met Michael Jordan I go what'd you yeah. say he goes nothing <laughs> yeah. go, so so you become this this uh, Hall of Fame Bears linebacker who did you meet in the NFL or if anybody were you kind of like wow I'm starstruck so I'm with along with Wayne I met Michael my second year in the NFL we played golf it, it was like I can't even explain how because <laughs> I grew up watching Michael play basketball I didn't get a chance to meet him and see like 
in person what you've been watching on TV. It was it was amazing and how nice he was and how much shit he talked playing golf was uh, all <laughs> yeah. true. But you know what? I was at the Pro Bowl my my rookie year. I made the Pro Bowl somehow in Hawaii and Marshall Falk was there. Peyton Manning was there. You know, all, uh, Derek Brooks, Warren Stepp, all these guys that I'd watched all through my college years. You know, last year, the year before that, I was in college playing football. And this next year, I'm in the Pro Bowl with these guys. So that was, um, I mean, just sitting in the locker room, looking around like, damn, there's so-and-so, there's him. I mean, it's just crazy to, to a year later be in that position and be in the same locker room as those guys was, was pretty all-inspiring all for like, me. Like, I mean, it, it happened really fast for you. And then all of a sudden, it you know, you kind of knew – you were belonging. You were going to belong. I mean, that happened so fast for you. You know, so you're you're a bear. And what was it like when you met Dick uh, or Buckus or Singletary the first time? How'd those go? Awesome. Coach Dick is the man, obviously. But meeting uh, Mike Singletary and Dick Buckus, they're so nice to me. You know, they don't have to be nice. I'm a runt, little rookie. I met them both at this event we did. And it's kind of a slap in the face for them because everyone compared me to them. Like my rookie year, I'm like, dude, this is not fair. Those two are both in the Hall of Fame. They're two of the greatest linebackers of all time. And you guys are comparing me to them. And they were—they never took it out on me because the media compared me to him, you know. Yeah. Uh, early on, especially. They were always super nice to me. And uh, every time I saw them, were polite. We did a couple of events together. But, yeah, just to meet those two guys, or even Coach Dick as well, was was pretty awesome for me when you look at the history of the Bears and what they mean to it. It's awesome to, to, to hear that, too, because, you know, the fans – Chicago has a love affair with its linebackers, right? They are the biggest stars yeah. in the sport and for the legendary franchise too. And when you get to one of those things at the Pro Bowl, it's got to be kind of weird because, you know, as a fan, you could be like, Oh my gosh, there's so and so, there's so and so, but you sort yeah. of have to act like it's not a big deal. Yeah. Right? Yeah, right. <laughs> then you gotta play cool. No, you gotta be like, Oh, that's so and so. Yeah. Now we're on the same team. Now I'm good. Not a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> they won a Super Bowl last year. Who cares about it? It's just weird because yeah. you literally watched them on TV the year before, like, Oh, that's so. And now your teammates with them. Yeah. So weird. How about, I, you know, this year's Bears team is over. So, you know, we had Jeff Christian on. We were talking about quarterbacks, and he he worked with uh, Mitch Trubinsky and now at Pittsburgh. He's got Mahomes. Yeah, he's got Baker Mayfield. Thing, I like Mitch. I'm a big Mitch guy. Yep. And so, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that – I think Mitch, when he was in college, he was a tremendous athlete. And, and so one of the things that Jeff said, and I think we can – I'm going to say this and relate it to Justin Fields in the fact that people ask me, what do you think of Justin Fields? I go, I can't make an assessment. And they go, why? I go, he's under stress every – play. Trubinsky yeah. was under stress all the time. I go, the front yeah. office needs to understand, listen, unless you get me a left tackle and a right guard that can block some people, we're never going to be able to assess the quarterback situation. What's your thoughts on on that and this year's team with, with Fields yeah. at, at the helm? And, and yeah. you know, let's get some stress off the kid. I do not disagree with you, honestly. I feel bad for him. And, you know, get some players, get some pieces around him. You know, you draft the guy number 10 overall or whatever draft pick he was, give him something to work with. You know, protect him, number one. I know he's athletic. He does, he creates plays that not a lot of guys in the NFL can do. But give him some time. Give him, you know, they're running the ball great right now, which is, you know, usually when you got stressed on your quarterback, you can't run the football. They're the opposite. They're running the football great, but they're still getting stressed on their quarterback. You, you hit it on the head. It's hard to assess exactly what he is because you, the, the splash plays are like, when he makes a play, you're like, whoa, that guy's got some ability. And then there's some things he does. You're like, whoa, what's that for? But he's a young quarterback. Just got to give him some protection. And like I said, some pieces around him. If you want to build around him, build around him. It's, it's, it's tough when the best player on your team is your will linebacker. You know, it should be your quarterback or your, your receiver or your running back. It's not that way for the Bears. It's their, their will linebacker. 
Well, it's exciting stuff, and the fans absolutely love to be able to watch the biggest stars and stars like you, you know, on the Bears. The game day experience, I don't know that there's much in sports that rivals an NFL game day experience. And so we wanted to talk about it, you know, from not only the playing perspective, obviously, but even visiting, Jim Bob and I were talking about it, for like the different cities that you play in, because we talk about road trips and making those trips to other cities. Like, where did you, obviously Chicago's a great town, right? You, you know, you're yeah. you're in one of those great cities, but where did you look forward well, to going? Well, hold on, I want to add this to Okay. okay, here's the deal, because he's on to something now. And I go, I know Erlacher, okay, because here's the deal. He's going to eat his way into sumo wrestling, okay, if you let him. <laughs> the only reason he rides these guy dang bikes is so he can eat whatever the hell he wants to. He's an eater, man. So, right. so where did you go in town, in, in these cities, and then did you look for the foodie spot? What was the deal? What, what, did, you, what did you enjoy? So there's nothing better than food in Chicago. I will say that. But they, we would Every Saturday night before a home game, we'd, we'd pick a different spot every season, whether it was Valari downtown, Gibson's downtown, Joe's Stone. We'd have a different spot. We, meaning me and my family, we'd eat there Saturday night before, the, before I go to the hotel. But when we travel, honestly, I was boring. I didn't do anything because, I mean, you have one game a week. So when you go on the road, you may go have an early dinner or eat at the hotel and then I was asleep by 10, 10 30. I didn't really experience a lot of stuff on the road when it comes, when it comes to food and stuff like that. But my favorite places to play were Dallas. I mean, that, that new stadium they have, yeah. AT&T stadium. I feel bad for the Cowboys because we were so hyped to play in those games when we played there. It's like a Super Bowl when you go in that stadium. It's Joe's didn't realize what he created. It's a liability. Go, yeah, it's a liability having an amazing stadium. I didn't realize really this. <laughs> that is, that's actually funny. Dane and I were talking about it. We said, you know, we get guys on here like, you know, let's get with Brian on here. Let's, you know, because I know you're a foodie and like, you know, Valari, yeah. hey, old school Italian. It's, it's really one of my favorites. You named a couple of restaurants, Gibson. They're my favorites. I mean, it is a food town, man. And, and so if you're a foodie, I mean, Chicago's, I, it's got to be on everybody's list that we talk to. It's got to be one of the favorite places because of it's got such great restaurants. Ooh. But, you know, Dallas, so so you were a guy, basically, kind of a homebody, you know, you, 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 you know. You can call me boring. Well, no. You can call me boring. I don't, I don't care. I, I'm like, <laughs> okay. like serious about your job. For those, all those romantic attachments to the players that are out till two in the morning <laughs> and then playing, you know, it, it doesn't lead to the best play. Well, hey, he's <laughs> Hall of Fame. Because NFL, he didn't stay out until three o'clock every night. <laughs> no, you, you can't, can't do it in NFL. You just you got one game a week. Take it seriously. And the, the problem with, with if you were out, your teammates are going to let you know about it if you, if you didn't talk. Now, if you're going out and you're playing well. Do your thing. You keep doing whatever makes you play well. But if you're not performing well, we're going to have a problem. We had a deal. Uh, we got to talking uh, the other day on the on the show when we were talking about era and guys in different era. And we got Terry Bradshaw coming up here later and some other quarterbacks that played in that 70s and 80s. And Bradshaw to me, uh, was one of the guys that I felt could transcend and could play in today's current systems. I think that Terry Bradshaw at the quarterback, I think quarterback might be a little easier. I mean, you, you had a bunch of guys like Joe Montana could probably play in today's level. But do you ever oh, look yeah. back at, at some of these guys? Everybody talks about the Aaron. And, and, and today's players, you know, it's changing, man. I mean, the game's a speed game. Everything's yep. fast and quick. And I, I see the game's change so much. I was on the sidelines of Packers against the Chiefs. And the speed of the, the Chiefs that they had at the time, I was like going with Hill and, and, and Tyreek Hill and others. I, I'm sitting there and Bill Moss is, is next to me and I go, 
holy crap. I go, Jesus, man, I, I just, the game is just so fast now. And he goes, you don't think you can play? I go, no way in hell could I play. Could you? And he goes, he was all pro, you know, three years. He goes, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> when, you got a, when you got a three-year old pro guy standing next to you and he goes, yeah. I don't know. I, don't I mean, know. the game's changed, man. I mean, have, have, since it's you different. retired, have you seen it even change? Yeah, just the speed. You know, every year the players get faster and faster, you know, and, and they're, it's funny is the linebackers are getting smaller and smaller. Yeah. You know, you look at the middle linebackers now, they're 5'11", 6'2", 225, 230. And back in my time, you know, I was 6'4", 255 when I played. It's just different. You don't find a lot of inside guys like that now. Yeah. You get the outside backers. Well, backers. You could run, though. I mean, you still were running. Yeah, yeah. You were a 4'5 outside guy. You could do all that stuff. But, but, I mean, like, but, you're right. The game's changing. But one of the things that came up, do you think the game, this, this makes it, a cooler game or is there the to me like i still look back at those old cowboys you know roger staubach days and some of those games those games were about as entertaining as you could get okay so i don't know that the game's better because of any of these no, changes i agree with you. the game's still entertaining to me you know i don't think that that has that hasn't changed now as a former defensive player i could do do without some of the rules that are geared towards the offense because everybody wants to see points you know what's been amazing about this year it's how good the defense is at play for some of these games. For as many rules that the offense has to succeed, yeah. the defense is still showing up playing well, which is which is awesome to me. But yeah, the games are still fun as hell to watch, no matter what the speed is or what players are doing this and that. It's still football. You still got to go out there and tackle the guy with the football. So now you're living in in Gilbert, Arizona. Is that right? Yes, you're correct. And the the weather out there is fantastic every Perfect. day. Okay, yep. and, and so let's just clarify it. I mean, he, Brian Urlacher, not an e bike, and he had to define himself <laughs> on our show. Hey, man, no, I'm not a bitch. <laughs> One of the best <laughs> stories ever. But so you're playing a ton of golf. Have, have you got a bunch of ex NFLers? You got some uh, uh, celebrities out there. You guys got a game with every week. No, no celebrities in my group. No ex NFL guys. No celebrities. I just. I'm a regular person guy. I prefer guys that uh, just like to play golf, hang out, and have a good time. And uh, I've got a pretty good group of guys out here that I hang out with and play golf with. We take fishing trips together. It's a good time. But not a lot of zero, – actually, zero celebrities in my group, which is the way I prefer to have it. <laughs> well, you're escaping the weather for better weather down there in Arizona. But you will be back for the yeah. Chicagoland Sports Hall of Fame. And so there's a great list. You mentioned Chris Chelios. Obviously, mm-hmm. everybody's got connections there. He'll be there as well. Talk about coming back and celebrating with the fans. It's funny. Anytime you get a chance to go to an event like this and be around the other the Chicago greats, it's fun. I have a ton of people going. A bunch of my friends from Chicago are going to be attending. My brother's going. So looking forward to that. But, yeah, like I say, anytime you get a chance to be amongst people, who played in Chicago and did great things is always a bonus. I got a, a one, a couple things is that I, I know your, your boy plays and, and, uh, he's a good athlete and, and, you know, he's going to get a shot to play and so forth. And I mean, does he listen to you? I mean, does he, they take dad's <laughs> advice. <laughs> I'll tell you what. So about the last three years, he finally thinks I know something about football. The first three years he started playing, I could have been the dumbest person ever. He didn't want to talk what? to me. Well, you know, as a kid, you, you want to figure it out on your own. I don't blame him. But now we have great conversations about coverages, leverage, like things he should be talking about because he's at that level. He knows exactly, like physically, he, he's there. Yeah. It's just the mental part of the game where he needs to get better. And he asks all the right questions. He wants to know why fit here when this leverage is here? Why now when I'm running full speed, do I need to use my sh- It's just, he has great questions. And we, we'll, I feel like every day we have a 15, 20 minute conversation about how his practice was or the game was, or just, it's nice to, to be able to not 
be looked at like I'm an idiot. <laughs> if, if he ever has any doubts, Brian, just walk around the house in the gold jacket, right? Yeah, just put the gold. When he starts oh, giving you stag, put the gold jacket on, okay? Hey, how about so your your two daughters now? One of them yeah. went to KU. Is that right? You had a daughter? Yeah, she just she'll graduate in May from KU. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That's good. Uh, oh, that's awesome, man! Is that I'm yeah. from Kansas State, so obviously hated okay. rivals, but Big you know rivalry. KU. KU. So she's a KU. What about your other daughter? My daughter is a senior in high school, so it's funny. She goes to Hamilton High School. My son goes to Chandler High. They're literally four miles apart, and they're the two biggest rivals. That We're ranked number one. They're number two in football. So in my house, it's pretty fun because my daughter's a big Hamilton fan. My son's obviously a Chandler guy. So I'll be texting. And she's like, hey, how did, how's the game? I'm like, uh, we're up 14-0. And she goes, crap. Well, how's Kennedy doing? And I go, great. Goes, well, I hope he does great, and they lose. <laughs> how about uh, well, so funny. you know you look at your long career and everything is that and and moments in your life uh, you know whether during playing or you know so forth is it do you got any regrets or any things where you go oh man i wish i would have done this or i wish i would have made a comment on that what what, what is some of brian Erlacher's regrets because you've had a pretty good life buddy yeah you know I, I i don't think i was ever apologetic about anything I said or did, which is, I, I do not regret that. I'm glad, I'm glad for that. They're obviously not winning Super Bowl is a regret, but there's not much I can do about that. Right. You know, <laughs> we, we just weren't good enough to win. That's the way it goes. But I, I would like to have one of those, uh, obviously, but we lost that game. No, I mean, I, the thing I'm most proud of, obviously is playing for the same team my whole career. That was yeah. amazing. It's hard to do these days. Yeah. And when I said something, I didn't, I didn't go back on my word. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of, and that, it's a big deal these days. People say things and they're like, Oh, well, you know, I didn't mean that, but they get some backlash and they, they backtrack their Yeah, statement. they walk it back. I, I, I got to tell I'm you, never do that. I, I love you that you said that because Dave and I were talking about it. I go, you know, I go, I like what Brian says. What do you, you know, I, I've read all of his stuff. I go, I like the fact, I ain't walking it back, bro. I'm not walking it no. back. <laughs> you know, no, I'm not. I respect I, that. The backlash to me, I know it's going to happen. I don't give a shit, honestly. Yeah. You know, I if you don't like me, you don't like me. Yeah, right. That's just the way now, it goes. I, I love the fact that happy. you didn't walk it back, buddy. Yeah. But Appreciate that. Millions of football fans obviously respect the career. So many here in the Chicago area and Bears fans all over the country. Absolutely love you. Excited to have you back in town for the Chicago Land Sports Hall of Fame. We'll have links up for the cause and, and raising dollars and awareness for those veteran players as well. And so, Jim Bob, we yeah. got to thank him for being on the show. No, man, today, man, I tell you, what, it's a real honor. I'm looking forward. I'm going to see you at, at the, at the deal. We got a table with Chilio, so see at the Hall of Fame deal, and then uh, we'll have you live in the studio uh, when we get time on coming back later this year too. We want to have some have you back in and tear the roof off of it, man. We're in the studio. We're gonna have some fun, you know. (laughs) Let me know. Hey, appreciate it, buddy. Yeah, thanks, Brent.